This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 98 of GoToGrandma. I'm your host and GoToGrandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this episode is airing originally on Zoomer Radio at 7.30 on June 24th. If you're like me, you know the TVO program Saturday Night at the Movies. And the name Tom Ernst will be familiar to you as he was the host and producer of the show for many years. But today I'm not talking to Tom about classic movies, but a different kind of storytelling, his new book, The Wild Boy of Wabamick. This raw and moving depiction of an abusive childhood growing up in rural Ontario tells us of a system that failed, a community that looked the other way, and a family that kept silent. Until now. Tom tells us what drove his decision to write about The Wild Boy, whether he's real, and why he chose to write this memoir in the style of a novel. Then real estate broker Lisa Bednarski is back on the show to tell us how to increase the value of our home, whether we're thinking about selling it in two weeks or a few years or even not at all. She's got some valuable tips you won't want to miss. We are all looking forward to increasing the plus side of our balance sheet, either through major investments like our homes or in our savings accounts. Today on our Take 5 with RBC interview, we're going to hear about Nomi Find and Save. That's N-O-M-I, which is an innovative savings tool which is revolutionizing the way Canadians save money. And we all want to do that, don't we? So save the next 30 minutes to listen to me and my valuable guests as we get into another episode of Go to Grandma, filled with our signature fun and facts. I'm going to grab a coffee and maybe a bucket of popcorn in honor of my first guest, Tom Ernst, who is on the show right after this. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your Go to Grandma. Thanks for dropping in. Tom Ernst is a Toronto-based film critic and writer and a member of the Toronto Film Critics Association. His work has appeared in various publications and on air. Tom is perhaps best remembered as the host, interviewer, and producer of television's longest-running movie program, Saturday Night of the Movies. Currently, Tom's reviews can be read on original-sin.ca and northernstars.ca. Tom's first book, The Wild Boy of Wabamick, a memoir, is available from Dundurn Press. Good morning, Tom Ernst. Thanks so much for coming in studio today. Kathy, I am so thrilled to be on the show because, you know, I'm not a grandparent. Mm-hmm. I, I'm of grandparent age. <laughs> and uh, I uh, look forward to that day. And, and it's funny because the uh, topics that you do, and I do listen, I follow you on Twitter. The topics that you hit upon, I think, doesn't just land with grandparents, but future grandparents, too. I so. call them, you know, grandparent wannabes. You know, that's I am are. a grandparent wannabe. <laughs> but yeah. I agree with you. And we're just in that whole sort of world of what we're going through and what we're living in. And, and I love having you on the show. Of course, I know you a bit from TVO days and when you were doing your show there. And then this book comes out, The Wild Boy of Wabamick. I hope I'm saying it correctly. You are, yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed this book, Tom. It is a memoir. It is your memoir. And it talks about your life in rural Ontario, growing up in a pretty abusive situation. Perhaps you'd like to give us a bit of an overview. Why the book? Why did you write the book? Well, I think, and I'm not giving away any spoilers, because clearly I am sitting in this chair and I'm a functional human being. So I think what caused me to write the book is in the last chapter. 
And I suspect you know what I'm talking about, but much of it has to do with having my own child and the responsibility of raising a child. And the residue that that falls from a conflicted childhood, uh, an abusive childhood, traumatized childhood, actually, and the things that trickle down from that are, are amazing and they don't stop unless you stop them. Writing that book was a way of saying, this has to stop. And what had to stop was not that I wasn't being abused anymore, but what stopped was the self-abuse that went with it and all the other things. I just I just had to own it, put it on paper and let it disperse. And you talk about that a lot in the book, the ownership of the shame and the guilt that was really, you know, hard to get past. And you also there's this wild boy um, mm-hmm. who appears throughout the book who seems to kind of come to life at moments of great peril or great distress. Is the wild boy in the book real? How does that manifest? Yeah, it, it's not real. And the only validity I will give the wild boy, it's twofold. First of all, when I was in that situation, I often imagined who I'd be if I wasn't taken from my, my birth family. And so that's where the wild boy was. I thought he would be unafraid. I thought he would be unashamed of anything. I thought he would be uncouth, which he is. He says some things that I'm embarrassed about when I reread it. I go, (laughs) oh my gosh, did you really have to say that? But he does. And the second reason I included The Wild Boy is I wanted a a, a voice of experience to come in. And I also wanted the story to be about the perspective of a child. So I couldn't do both. So having The Wild Boy allowed me to give a perspective that was older and uh, uh, removed from the situation that could give insight to someone who wasn't ready to right. listen to it. Right, because yeah. he appears when you're quite young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. you're right. So it's that more mature side of what's happening here right. that comes through the wild boy. So the book is, again, very raw, very personal. What has been your family's reaction to the book? I know you have two older sisters yeah. um, and your parents, of course. Well, one of the sisters uh, has had their name changed in the book, and the other is a huge supporter and doesn't have her name changed. And I did think long and hard about excluding the other sister who does not want to be part of this book whatsoever. And I was respecting that. It's her story. But you know what? It's my story. And unfortunately, she's in it. And uh, so I, I changed the name. So she's not angry with me as far as I know. But she certainly doesn't talk about it. She didn't show up in any of the book launches. Uh, much of my family seems to be taking it in its stride, which is kind of frightening in some ways, because I think, well, was this... Did they know? Well, exactly. Because you yeah. have you mentioned cousins throughout the book, yeah. other family members, and, and that's a good point. Yeah, if you knew why, why, why? why? yeah. And I think that about the neighborhood too, because mm-hmm. you say a small southern Ontario town. What did they know? And I will never find that out for sure. And I have a lot of you know ideas and assumptions about what people knew. But you know, lo- you know, Kathy. Really, what I wanted to do is I did not want to write a book that was. Poor me. Yeah. I didn't want to write a book that would just, this This is terrible, you know, feel sorry for me. I mean, you're welcome to feel sorry for me. I'll take it. <laughs> right. But I wanted to write a book that was entertaining, 
Right. You wrote it like a novel. It is very much a storytelling novel, which made it both easy to get through and sort of hard to get through because at the back of your mind while you're reading, you know, this actually happened to a a person, a a real person. So I appreciated that perspective on it. Are your parents still alive? Did they know you were writing this in particular, your father, who's really the abuser, obviously, in, in this relationship? My father passed away many, many years ago. I rarely refer to him as my father, although mm. that's kind of a non-starter. He adopted me. Legally, he's my father. But I, okay. I, I much prefer telling people that I grew up without a father. Now, he passed away long before I even started on this. Uh, and prior to that, he had Alzheimer's and became the sweet old man that everybody loved. I didn't, I was un- unable to buy it into mm, it. Yeah. My mother knew, I told her, she acted shocked. She seemed more concerned about what it said about the sexuality of her husband. Right. Than about what it did to her son. Interesting. Yeah. And then as she got older, she also forgot things. And I suddenly became the golden child. And she used to say to me consistently, we're so glad we adopted you. And I knew what she meant. She meant that I was a great addition to the family. But what I really wanted to hear, Kathy, was... I'm so sorry we adopted you. Of course, of course. I'm talking with Tom Ernst about his book, The Wild Boy of Wabamek. It is a great read. I encourage everybody to pick it up. It's, of course, available wherever books are sold. It's through Dundurn Press. Any more writing in the horizon of this style for you, Tom? Um, in that style, I'm writing a murder mystery, oh, cool. which I can say is not true. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't kill anyone for this I, book, no, I just didn't. for reality's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm writing a murder mystery set in the same area and with some of the same characters. Because, oh, interesting. Yeah, I like the Montags. I like Doug. They're all in the book, and I think I like to revive them in some way. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I will look forward to that. Of course, you can find Tom all over social media as well at, at real, R-E-E-L, Tom. T-H-O-M Ernst on Instagram and on Facebook. Thanks so much for sharing this with us and for sharing your life with us through this book. I encourage, again, everyone to pick it up. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. Lisa Bednarski is a top realtor in the dynamic Toronto real estate market, working with buyers and sellers at every stage of the process, from buying a first condo to downsizing from the family forever home. Her grandparents, Joe, Dorothy, Lila, and Julian, would be proud. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Happy to be here. So a lot of our listeners are in a phase where they want to maybe downsize their homes. They want to sell. Maybe they want to stay. But above all, they want to keep and increase the value of their homes, no matter what the plan for it is in weeks or in years. I get that question all the time. So what do we do? So what are the things that we can do? What is the most important thing that we can do to add value to our homes? So here's the shocking thing. Everybody thinks it's, oh, you need to build an addition or you need to completely renovate the kitchen or, you know, completely renovate the basement. The most important thing you can do to add value to your home is to take care of it. Right. I can't tell you the number of times I will go into an A-plus home and then you see the home inspection and it's a C-plus. There is so much value in just doing those regular maintenance things that add up and are so important. So get your roof inspected, and if it needs repairs, make the repairs before there's water damage. Get your furnace and air conditioner serviced every year so that you're adding value and lots of life to all of your mechanicals. 
clean and repair your deck. Make sure your windows and doors are in good repair. Clean out your gutters so you don't get water that way. You know, look at doing things like having a sump pump or making sure that you're um, inspecting your chimney. All of the repairs, like broken shelves and caulking, all of those things, when buyers are walking through a home, they might not necessarily feel them, but they they might not necessarily see them, but they certainly feel them. Right. And an A-plus home with a C-plus home inspection will sell, but it won't sell for top dollar because buyers will be a little bit more reluctant to go deep into their wallet. So take those air duct calls is what you're saying and get the air, du- <laughs> get the air ducts cleaned. But uh, a lot of what you're talking about is preventative, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where we start. So making sure that everything is up to snuff and we're doing some repairs. What about sort of people think I need to throw in a whole new kitchen or basement. So what are some smaller updates that maybe we can do to increase our home's value? And there's a lot of them. So everything from replacing your light fixtures. So after you've been in your home for 10 or 15 years, your light, and if they were new at the time, your light fixtures might appear a little, a little dated. Same with the hardware on your cabinetry. So there's little things like that, like cabinet refacing, putting in new light fixtures, putting in new hardware, a fresh cone of paint does a world of good, updating faucets and sinks, all of those things aren't, you know, super big ticket items or big scale renovations, but they certainly make your home seem less dated and make it look contemporary. One of the things I always notice is lighting. Yeah. Like track lighting from like the 80s, you know, can throw off the whole vibe of a room. Absolutely. And those are easy fixes and not super expensive. Um, And even things you can do to add to the curb appeal of your home, you know, bring in a landscaper, plant some nice shrubs and trees. Those are all things that aren't big ticket items, like I said, but certainly add value over time. And then, of course, there's, you know, things like storage. When I'm working with buyers and we're working or we're walking through a home and it has really smart storage and lots of it, that's a huge plus or creating a little outdoor living space to add to the square footage of your home, at least in the summer months. All of those things are really, really, really good investments in your in your money in your house. I'm really intrigued by your storage. So you mean like custom closets and things like that, where you're really laying out the space quite sort of efficiently for someone to see? The custom closets or even, I go into a lot of homes where um, the area underneath the stairs leading upstairs, people have adapted and used that as really smart storage. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I do decide. So I let's say I am a person who says, you know what, I need to do a major like there's this house is, is not going to get by with just a coat of paint. Where's the best place to start spending sort of bigger money on bigger renovations? Hands down kitchen and bathroom. So if your kitchen is outdated, you can completely transform the layout and the functionality. You could update appliances and cabinetry, and those are things that buyers really respond to in a home. When you're walking through and you see a beautiful kitchen, that is the number one area where you start to see buyers really, really start to think, oh, my God, I think I could live here. Next, bathroom. So like the kitchen, it's a really, really important selling feature, whether that's um, updating the functionality and the finishes or adding the main floor powder room, which is you know a huge selling feature for homes, or that extra bathroom in the basement, particularly if it's a family home. I have seen uh, homes that are family homes with only one bathroom sell for hundreds of thousand dollars less than the exact same home with three bathrooms because people don't want to do the work, but they want to have the functionality of a home when they've got lots of kids or teenagers. Yeah, that's so interesting, right? And it seems like such a, not a simple fix, but sort of something you can check off a list to say, this will give my home more value. One of the things that I think people are looking for is energy efficiency as well in their homes today. Absolutely. 
And I was just about to talk about all the unsexy things <laughs> that also add tremendous value. Yeah. So, you know, get the plumbing and the electrical updated. If you're living in downtown Toronto and you have clay drainage pipes, they're a ticking time bomb. Get those done now before they collapse. Um, and it will save money in insurance, too. And then things like, you know, high-efficiency windows and systems, high-efficiency furnace, you know, updating the insulation, that adds value and cost savings. And then, and this is true across, you know, uh, across the board, if there are, if you're in a water table area, installing a backwater valve in a sump pump, that's, you know, music to buyers' ears, and they don't necessarily know it, but if their agent is good, they will help them understand the value of something like that. Another way, of course, we can increase the value of our home is having it generate some income. What tips do you have on that? So amazing. So either uh, a basement suite or apartment. And then, of course, in downtown Toronto right now, they've really, really relaxed the rules around garden suites and laneway houses. And so there is tremendous opportunity to help your house make money, to help your house help you make money and then add value when you go to sell it. I'm even looking at doing it myself. I could put a, uh, a laneway suite in my backyard. I could rent it out and have it generate income for me. And then down the road, if I don't want the maintenance of the big home, I can move into the laneway suite and rent out the big home and travel as I like. So there's lots of flexibility and opportunities to add value. Oh, I love that last point you made about it. if we're ready to downsize, we could just downsize to our backyard. <laughs> I love it. And in the meantime, as you say, I mean, you can use it as they, you know, a she shed, a home office, yeah, a lot of people working remotely, right? So that, I mean, that's got to be one thing that changed that people are looking for that extra space to potentially work from home full time. If you had told me three, four years ago that if I was staging a four-bedroom home, I would stage one of those bedrooms as an office, I would have said you were crazy because most buyers want to see four bedrooms, and now the office is mandatory. Absolutely, and families are smaller, and yeah. you know, home office work is bigger. Yeah. Have you ever seen sort of a situation where the nanny suite or the extra thing is is not a selling point? Is sort of someone said, hmm, really didn't want that extra kitchen in the basement. Well, it depends on how it's done. If it's cut okay. off from the rest of the house, then it does become something that um, you know a buyer doesn't have the same flexibility right. of using it. For the most part, buyers do see value in it, okay. whether it's uh, nanny or income. And again, the pandemic changed our world, so. A lot of buyers are also seeing it as an opportunity to bring their parents closer to. Right. So not something we necessarily want to rip out if it's there. Okay. So this is amazing. We can go to getwhatyouwant.ca. I love your website. For more information (laughs) from Lisa and you're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, of course, at Lisa Bednarski. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us again. Thank you, Kathy. I love doing it. Take care. Miriam Kyoshin is Director of Digital Money Management at RBC. Miriam and her team create innovative, artificial intelligence-driven banking solutions, which include RBC's Nomi. With a degree in English literature from the University of Toronto, Miriam brings a unique perspective to her role, combining her creativity and analytical skills to deliver exceptional user experiences. Good morning, Miriam. Thanks so much for being part of our Take 5 with RBC interview series. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I am excited to learn about Nomi today, this innovation. And I understand that Nomi recently won a rather prestigious banking award. My congratulations, of course, to you and your team. And perhaps we can start things off with you telling our listeners a bit more about that award recognition. Yeah, for sure. So Nomi Forecast is one of our Nomi capabilities, and it was recently recognized for 
best use of AI for customer experience. Um, and this is a mouthful, so I want to get it right. It was at the 2023, the Digital Banker Digital CX Awards. Um, and what the capability is, is that it, you know, it gives clients a really quick seven-day view into their future cash flow, which means showing them their upcoming pre-authorized payments from any deposit account. And over the last year, we've enhanced forecasts to include bill payments and e-transfers, investment contributions, and also incoming uh, salary deposits. So, you know, the benefit of this is that we, we see this as a way of removing that everyday stress of tracking when your bills are due and how much is due and really having that line of sight into all the ins and outs of your account and what your cash flow could look like in seven days. And, you know, for us, and this is really important for us, is it's a really great example of how we've used artificial intelligence and how we've leveraged technology to enhance our clients' experience of banking and to, you know, enable them to manage their money simply, but also safely. That leads me to my next question. Can you tell us more about Nomi and the advantages of digital banking and why should those who are hesitant to mobile banking consider using it? Yeah, for sure. You know, Kathy, the world is becoming more digital and banking is no different. So the banking landscape will continue to evolve to meet our clients' needs. Um, and the truth is more Canadians want to and choose to bank digitally. So for us, we think it's uh, you know more important than ever to empower our clients with tools they actually need to manage their money with confidence. Nomi as a digital capability has been enormously successful uh, with our clients. Because what it does is it delivers personalized insights and advice, so they're tailored to the individual client. So that's building financial awareness. It's feeling like they're on top of things, that there are no surprises waiting for them. Our guiding principle, what we always strive to do is move people from a place of financial anxiety to a place of financial security. So we've taken things like budgets and created no-me budgets. So the traditional budget was very um, taxing on a client because they have to figure it out themselves. So what we do instead is we'll tell you which category and how much to set up to budget for. Um, or no-me insights, right? So you have hundreds and thousands of transactions in your account, but no-me insights will surface the ones that matter to you. Did you get that refund? Do you have a duplicate transaction and that kind of thing? Um, and then Nomi Find and Save is this idea that, you know, we can find the extra savings for you and set them aside for you automatically. So who doesn't want to find extra savings, right? This is amazing. I mean, who doesn't need that? You know, uh, give me a person of any age who wouldn't love that. So it's all of this is so impressive. And I, and I agree with you. It's nice to address sort of maybe some concerns people have around artificial intelligence, around digital banking. What kind of impact has this had with your clients? Yeah, so I'll, I'll use Find and Save as an example. So Find and Save, the way it works, it, it uses um, predictive technology to sort of find those little pockets of money. Because, you know, the research shows us that Canadians are actually saving less and less every year. And so something like Find and Save can do that for clients. You know, we know that saving in small increments can add up, and our clients know that, but how do we, how do we move them there? So we created this product. And what it's done is it's saved more than $4 billion for our clients, for a find-and-save client. So the average saved per active find-and-save client is over $500 a month. And that, that really adds up, and we hear the stories from our clients. You know, they paid for a wedding dress, or they paid for a last-minute vacation, or they paid for a home repair. Um, I'll tell you, for me, 
I very excitedly used the money to to build the dream bookcase that I'd been thinking about for like a decade. But these are these are really great stories, you know? And I mean, of course, you can also take that money and invest it. You can take that money and pay down debt. There's so many things. But it's this idea that the small incremental savings, they can add up to big things. It's amazing. And if people want to know more about it, of course, they can go to rbcroyalbank.com slash account slash know me, find and save. Thanks so much for your time today, Miriam. Thank you, Kathy. When your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. Roy Disney. Well, I hope you decided that this was an excellent way to spend a half hour. I'd like to thank Tom and Lisa and Miriam for sharing their valuable expertise and thoughts with us today. Next week on GoToGrandma, you are going to meet the 60-plus Instagram influencers Leslie and Cynthia, or the Twinagers, or the Twin Agers, who are on a mission to change the narrative on aging, which of course is one of my favorite subjects. We'll find out what drives them and why they're doing this. Then we continue our travels across Canada for some terrific multi-generational vacation spots in the Maritimes. Travel writer Pat Lee will be sharing her picks, even as she compares them to the travel she has done literally around the world. We have some of the best spots in the world right here, out our back door. On our Take 5 with RBC interview, we look at scams that are targeting seniors, including investigating the role that artificial intelligence might be playing in the fraud world. Thanks again for being my go-to grandparent friends as we continue our look into everything today's grandparents need to know about. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.